were her brothers and sisters in Christ. This is her family of, in faith. And Lord, we thank you that you're with her during this trial that she's going through. And we thank you for the burden of prayer that you've put on the heart of this congregation to stand in prayer for her. And we ask for her complete healing. And we ask this in faith, believing. But we also ask that your will be done and that good would come out of this trial and the sickness that she has. And it would be a faith builder not only in Diana's life, but in the lives of all of us that are here. We invite your Holy Spirit to just continue with us as we continue in worship this morning. Uh, we know that you're here in our midst, and we pray that you would speak into each of our hearts and lives according to that word that you have for each of us today. And for all of these things, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take a seat. I was thinking, and I'm, um, I'm always impressed with how rich the worship is here at Overton um, Church here. Even though it's canned music, the, that doesn't seem to make a difference to the Holy Spirit, does it? And it's a beautiful thing to see how the Lord works and ministers through music here. And, and something came to mind. This is the... Um, historian and the theologian coming out in me for just a moment, but one of my uh, great heroes of the faith was uh, the reformer Martin Luther. And of course he was a great thinker, and he was the one who forged the, uh, the leading edge of the Reformation back in the early years of the 16th century. But he said one time, after theology, he said, I don't think there's anything as rich as music that can move the hearts of God's people. And, he, of course, he was a great hymn writer himself. And there is something about music that is a characteristic of, of our faith in God that uh, just spills out in our adoration to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit uses that to enrich our life. And that's just uh, a wonderful quality of our faith. Now, I haven't seen you since Christmas. I think it was Christmas Eve, the last Sunday we were here, and so it was Merry Christmas, and so a belated Happy New Year to you. Uh, and the message today is kind of goes along this theme of a new year. I think we all are sort of uh, resetting the table in our lives, um, uh, reminiscing on the breakthroughs and the victories and the triumphs and uh, trying to learn from some of the disappointments and setbacks that may have happened in 2023, and here we are in 2024. Now, the title of the message, it's up there on the screen right now, and I'll get to that in just a second, but the um, uh, message today is about building on the root system that we have within our faith, and I'll explain more about that in a moment. But let me, uh, let me set the stage in, in, in this way. I was reading in a magazine, I subscribed to a few of them, and um, there was an interesting article in this, in this magazine about the incredible survivability of the Jewish people against all odds. Now, of course, we know that they're God's chosen people, and, and they, are, they still fit within the master plan of God, and, and that's on the supernatural side of it. 
And this was a Christian man writing, but he wasn't focusing on that. But as you look at it just in the natural, in the natural, how the Jewish people have defied all odds in continuing as a people and an influential people out of all proportion to their numbers throughout their history. Where are the Hittites today? They're long gone. Where are the Jebusites today? Well, even their descendants don't remember who they were or where they came from. About the only kind of ite that we still have around are parasites, I suppose. But the Jewish people, even though as far back as we can look, have been, people have been attempting to exterminate them as a people. Think of the book of Esther in the book of the Old Testament, for instance. Um, and to erase their memory from the earth, and they have been scattered around the planet. And to this day, every living Jewish person on the planet counting them all, only numbers a little more than 14 million. That's not much out of 8 billion people on the planet. And yet they persist. And so this article was saying, what in the natural sense, what is the key to all of this? And a big part of that is the fact that they have clung to their roots in a great way. To this day, ever since the um, exodus from Egypt on that first Passover night. And some of you have been to a Seder or a Passover and, and they relive that story. And there's a rehearsal of where they came from and who they were and who they are and the laws of God and all of those things have folded together as ingredients that have helped them against all odds keep their identity and become such an influential and, in many ways, blessed people. In some cases, it's in spite of their disbelief. But it's that root system that's held them together. Now, um, we're a blessed people in this country. And I, 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 I was trying to remember, I, I've reached that point in life where uh, sometimes my short-term memory isn't uh, as sharp as it used to be. And I don't remember if I, if I said this one once before or not. I might have, but it really struck me when I heard it. It is estimated that in the history of the human race, there has been about 100 billion souls that have lived on this planet. And if you take all of those people that have ever lived, whatever that number might be, those of us living in America today, just looking at it as a standard of living that we have, are less than 1% in terms of how blessed we are compared to all of the people that have ever lived on the face of this earth. We've been blessed. And I know that there's some of us, I'm one of them, that's thinking I need a new car, and boy, what a luxury to think you need a new one when there's so many people that don't even have an old one. See? And the blessings of God, and they've come to our lives. And certainly, God has blessed us in the country in which we live. Um, from sea to shining sea, mountains, plains, deserts, 
um, rich farmland. We not only feed ourselves, but we feed the world. We have a wonderful political system. Uh, it's kind of in trouble and strain, has some stress points right now. But look how God has blessed us in so many ways. I don't know that there's ever been a country on the face of the earth that has had as many people trying to break into it to live as we have. And one of the reasons for that is because of the roots that we have built our country upon. And so it's with that that I'd like for us to start this morning. Um, the need for roots in a world uh, suffering from root rot. And I'll explain a little bit more about that. But it's the roots that really make us strong and sustain us and nurture us. And um, I'm kind of a, of a gardener. I'm still trying to clear rocks and... Uh, uh, in, in my backyard now, and then I, I, when I lived here before, I had a nice garden, but boy, did I have to work to get it. I think this is the only place I've ever lived. In order to get a good hole in the ground to, uh, to, to fill with, um, say, a five-gallon bucket of, uh, of, of soil, I've got to mine out of it about 15 gallons of rocks. To clear it out. Now, I don't know if it's that way out here in Overton or not. It's still that way out here. And um, uh, so I just want to use this as an analogy when I'm talking about the needs from root. And root rot is a disease that uh, the, attacks the roots of, um, of plants and trees. And I just want to dwell on that for a moment because I do think in the lives of many people today, the root system needs attention. It's rotting. And root rot can bring real damage to a plant. And um, so there's a picture of a tree up there suffering from root rot, and I'm not going to preach on all of these points. But these are just some of the things that are infiltrating into people's lives today and seeping into our culture that can bring an end to the blessings that we receive in our lives as we live our lives individually or as we live our lives as a people. There's idolatry. Well, we don't really carve statues out of wood and bow down and worship them anymore, but there's certainly uh, new gods that we have created, false gods that we worship. Israel battled with that. We're battling with it in our world today. Lawlessness. I think that pretty much speaks for itself. I just heard this week, it hasn't happened, well it's happening in one of the Walmarts in Las Vegas that I stopped at, but now you're having to go to a locked glass case to even get cough drops. And now they're starting to do the same thing in locking up underwear and socks because so many of them are being stolen. And so lawlessness. You know all the stuff that's going on with trying to uh, re-engineer human sexuality and human gender. And I'm just telling you, this stuff won't end well. The breakdown of the family. That is, the state wants to take its place in many cases. If the state wants to raise our children, try calling the governor and ask him to come over and change the diapers of Junior. And see how willing the state is to do that sort of thing. The rejection of proven and timeless biblical values. 
I understand that things have to be updated and recast in light of a new culture. But the fundamental truths, there is an order to how God has created us to live and the values that we have. And those things are being turned upside down. Living by lies. I read a title one time a number of years ago. It's always stuck in my mind. The truth is stranger than it used to be. Because there's so many that think we can invent truth the way we want it to be. And it runs contrary to what has always been God's truth and the key to the rich blessings that come in our lives. And a broken moral compass. We're trying, somebody said a number of years ago, the, the new morality is just another name for the old immorality. So this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about as it speaks into our lives individually. We wrestle with some of these things ourselves. Uh, our children do in public schools. Uh, we run into it every day. And these are the sorts of things that can bring an end to the blessing of God in our life, your life, my life, or the life of a country. And the blessings will stop. Now, there's a beautiful thing about cut flowers. They're beautiful, but they don't last. Now, I'm trying to start a little rose garden in our backyard, and I've got about three or four plants that are, uh, that are coming along. And, and I just love to go and, and pick a rose. We've got some beautiful yellow roses and pink roses that are there. Uh, they, they've quit blooming right now, just like chickens have quit laying about now. But they'll start blooming again in the spring. And they're beautiful to uh, pick and cut and put in a vase of water and uh, sit for a while. But they don't last, do they? If you get about a week out of a freshly cut rose, you're doing well. And the reason why they don't last is because they're cut off from the roots. Now, think of our lives in this way. As long as the root system is healthy and, and strong and being nourished and watered, uh, you will continue to flower and grow and be blessed and just look like that bouquet of flowers even after you cut it off for a while. It doesn't end the beauty of the blessings you've had immediately. But after a short time, it begins to fall apart because the root system isn't being tended to. Now the purpose of roots is they absorb water and nutrients from the soil. They anchor the plant. One plant I was never able to get to grow well in my garden here in Vegas. This goes back a few years when we had a half acre and a little more land that we could till. I could never get a good crop of corn. And the reason for that was is they weren't rooted deeply enough to withstand the winds that we get here. And the corn stalks would blow over where we lived. And, but the root system anchors the plant firmly. And it insulates it from some of the winds and water that can inundate it. They store food and nutrients and they sustain the life of the plant. Now that works in the life of a nation. That works in the life of a church. That works in the life of an individual. And so what I'm wanting us to look at today is 
what it is the root system in our own lives and how that is being tended to as we're, we're leaning into a new year and wanting to see the blessings of God continue and flourish in our lives. A good root system requires rich soil. If you're trying to grow a garden in where we live here, chances are you have to import your soil. I don't know how they did it at um, Gilcrease Orchards. Have any of you ever gone to uh, pick apricots or apples there? I don't know if that was just is rich soil there. I suspect it's all been amended over the years and built up, but that's just a little uh, agricultural haven there. It's only about a couple miles from the house where we live, and so we, I've still got some apricot jam from the... Um, uh, uh, what did they, they weren't apricots, they were, there's a half, there's a, it doesn't matter, apriums is what they're called, and they're, they're a cross between a plum and apricots, and they make great jam, by the way, but anyway, rich soil, the nutrients, so that soil's the environment you're growing up in, those nutrients are the things that you're feeding in that soil, okay, and you might have to supplement that and fertilize it and compost it and, and do those sorts of things. And these are the things that you're bringing into your life that, that have the nutrients that feed you in that environment where you are. There has to be an adequate water supply as well. And um, that, that's getting tougher. I don't, know if they, I don't think they've done it out here, but we're down to one day a week uh, in watering in, in Las Vegas now. And, uh, and it works, but boy, you've got to be really careful on this because uh, plants like a lot of water. And we need that feeding in our life, too. Now, if you're out in nature, the gardener is Mother Nature. Okay? That's the Lord who provides that environment and cares for it. If you're trying to plant a garden uh, here in Overton or in the Moapa Valley or in Las Vegas, uh, it's going to take the tending of the garden that you do yourself. You've got to weed it. You've got to fertilize it. You've got to check the watering cycles on it. If, uh, if it's too delicate of a plant, if it's getting down in the high 20s, you better cover it. You have to take care of all of those things. Otherwise, that plant's going to die. And so there's the, work, there's the gardening work that is uh, necessary as well. Now, what I want us to focus on this morning scripturally It'll pop up here in just a minute, but I, I will get to, let me set the stage. It's a passage of scripture out of the, the epistle to the Colossians. So just a little bit about Paul who wrote this letter and why he wrote it to the church at Colossae. Colossae. Um, he didn't establish this church. It was established by somebody else. It might have been established by a convert of Paul in one of the nearby cities. It's, uh, if it, today it's located in what is modern-day Turkey. Uh, it was Asia Minor back in the days of the Apostle Paul. And the church was, was doing well there, but the root system was, uh, was not, not as healthy as it should be. Because they were trying to supplement the gospel that had been planted there with other things. They were getting interested again in the worship of the stars and the, and the signs of the zodiac as something that might add to uh, the, their faith in Christ. Uh, there were different kinds of, uh, of, of idolatry that they were starting to dabble in again. again. And Paul is reminding them 
that there's really only one true root system and you have to tend that and care for that if the faith is going to grow strong and flourish. So with that in mind, let's read along these, verses, these uh, two verses here. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. Uh, he was speaking it in Greek or Aramaic, probably Greek to these people, uh, but here it is in English. Since you have accepted Christ, Christ Jesus as Lord, live in union with him, keep your roots deep in him. Build your lives on him and become stronger in your faith. See to it then that no one enslaves you by means of worthless deceit of human wisdom, which comes from the teachings handed down by human beings and from the ruling spirits of the universe and not from Christ. Now that sounds a lot like what is happening in people's lives and in our world today. There's lots of contending ideologies and additives or supplements or enrichments that are supposed to enlighten us further and help us to grow healthier and stronger. It might be in the name of science. It might be in the name of technology. It might be in the name of some pop philosophy that's out there. All kinds of things. And Paul's warning us against that. And so today, the, the, what I want us to focus on, there's just six things, um, uh, six important roots that are important in our lives. And just want to speak briefly on each of these. And it's not, the, the list could go on. I mean, a, a healthy root system has uh, strains of roots that are shooting out in a lot of different directions. I just want to hit on about six of them as they might relate to us today. The first of these, uh, these spiritual roots is spirit over flesh or the unseen world that is to be the root system of the seen world in which we live. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, the thing that presses in upon us so much today is it has to be something that brings immediate gratification. Or it's something that is material in the value. I was talking to someone just, it was yesterday at a men's breakfast where I was. And we were talking about football. And we were talking about the, um, um, the insane salaries that some of these athletes are able to um, uh, earn these days. And this person I was talking to said, I would like to believe, he said, I don't know if this is true about me or not, but I would like to think that if I was in that position, there would be something beyond just more money that I would want to be a part of a contract I had about how I could become an integral part in the community where I was or how I could invest in something that was of lasting value. And he said, I just don't know how much money is ever quite enough. I mean, some of these people are approaching, I mean, some of these quarterbacks are 30, 40 million dollars a year. 
How much do you really need? Well, it's what is seen. It is what is tangible. But what Paul is saying is we need to focus and root our lives in those things that are unseen. Let me give you a couple of examples. Trusting in the sovereignty of God in our lives. Have you ever seen sovereignty of God? Have you ever seen His plan for you? That's something that is unseen and spiritual in nature. I don't know what it is, but as I get a little older, I find myself worrying a little more about things than I used to. And I remind myself, God, and that's one of the reasons I like that chorus that we sang over again. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. And the next time you have that surge of worry about temporal things, you focus on the fact that everything is in God's control. You can't see that, but I'm telling you, it brings a peace into your life. And it sets the stage for you to be able to live and move and trust in the Lord. Faith. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things not seen. It's spiritual in nature. But everything that amounts to something that is worthwhile in our life that we do not yet hold in our hand. We lay hold of that only by faith. And it's not foolishness. But that is an unseen, spiritually grounded thing. The hope we have in a future with God. You can't see it. But that's what brings stability and direction into our lives now. Now, I don't know what kind of, of um, turbulence there might be in your world right now. But as we're, as we're tending these roots, as we are still early in 2024, are you letting the seen and the temporal displace the unseen which is the sovereignty and the control of God that he brings into your life. That's one of those roots that will sustain us as we stand in our faith in God. A second thing that we will look at here is family. This is, by the way, and I'm sure you know it and have thought of it before, this is the oldest institution on the face of the earth. God established the family, first of all. And we're not all blessed with a great intact family of origin. Spouses die, divorces happen, sickness may take somebody away, or there may be, you know, dysfunction within a family. That's still, that, that, but that's still the model that God has for us. That's one of the reasons why our family of faith sometimes becomes so important. Because we are all created to live not as isolationists, but in the context of family. A couple of verses. One of them's here, but before I get to the one that's on the wall. In Genesis 2, verse 24. Uh, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then, in having children, train up a child in the way that he should go. 
And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some time ago, and I don't imagine this has changed much in, since I heard it, it's been a number of years ago, 85% of all people who become Christians, 85% of them, and this is in our own country, they're following in the faith that was handed down to them by their parents. That's how it is passed along. And so this family is a wonderful root to tend to and nourish. I remember just a few years ago, uh, I was living in another state, and one of my kids called me, grown adult, and it was on Skype. It's been a long time since I've Skyped, but we had a face-to-face conversation on Skype, and, 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 and he's one of my sons, and he said, Dad, he said, I just, I've just got to get my life right. And he, he really hadn't been serving the Lord in his life, and Things weren't going very well. He said, I've tried to do it my own way. I've tried. But he said, the things that were put in my head when I was young, I can't get away from them. See? And so these are the things that are important to build upon as you're raising your children. So many times, just over Christmas, I went back out to the cemetery where my mom and dad are planted. And I go there several times a year. And I... I just thank the Lord for the wonderful godly parents and heritage that, that I had. And I've strayed off the reservation a time or two, too. But it's that faith that was planted. And so make sure that you're nourishing that root of family within your life. In the relationship between husband and wife and parent and child, so important. A third thing we have here is a healthy lifestyle. Now this is just very down to earth and practical here. And here's what Paul has to say about this. Do you not know that your bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit? Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now here's a, here's a stat that is uh, just as a point of comparison. And I looked this up again today. Uh, One half of it I didn't look up, but I remember reading it once before. Do you know that people that are Seventh-day Adventists live 10 years longer on average than the rest of Americans? And a lot of that has to do with their diet that they have. It's mostly an Old Testament diet that they follow, although they don't follow it that strictly. Now there are other things as well. But what you eat is something that has to do with the health you have in your body. Here's the the downside of it. I heard one time that Pentecostal people are slightly below the national average in their lifespan. That's because we haven't quite bought into the one cardinal sin of gluttony. I guess. I don't know what it might be. But, but what we eat, and I, I'm just thankful for the wife the Lord gave me. I'm much healthier. You know, she's always counting the carbs. And I'm wanting to know what it tastes like. You know. But I just thank the Lord for and But that's very important. Exercise. Now, that doesn't mean you have to join a gym. You might, but you can work in the garden or you can 
or you can walk or you can play golf or you can swim but stay active and physical we've only got a certain amount of years that are here and we don't want our bodies to break down prematurely and keep your mind active as well keep reading the Bible's a good place to start there uh, did you know there are studies that done that uh, that the likelihood of you developing dementia or Alzheimer's are less if you read more and you're keeping your brain active. Going to church. I looked this one up again today too. Did you know people that, act, that are actively involved in daily prayer and attending church are two things. They tend to be mentally healthier and they tend to live longer. Healthy lifestyle. Stay social. Don't isolate yourself. All of these things are just things you can do to maintain the motor of the engine that God has given you. And this is something you can do to add to the quality of your life. You know, the good news is, and medical science is a part of this, um, the winter years of our life. Now, I've just, uh, since I'm kind of staying with nature here today, we'll leave the root analogy here for a moment and we'll just go with the seasons of life. Uh, I've just arbitrarily divided it up that the first 20 years of your life is the springtime of your life. 20 to 40, uh, this is the summer of your life. Uh, 40 to 60 would be the autumn years of your life. And 60 to 80 are the winter years of your life. And um, uh, so this is arbitrary, of course. But you know, we are far healthier and far more active in the winter years of our life than we used to be. So what I'm trying to say is, as we tend to this life that God has given us, let's fill it up with more things that we can do and have that healthy lifestyle. Let's look at the fourth thing. I love the scripture for this one. This is discipline. In Proverbs, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Now, he's not mincing words. He's getting to the point there, isn't he? And living a disciplined life is important. There are spiritual disciplines that are a part of that. Study, prayer, worship, meditation. But there are other kinds of disciplines. I think one of the things that we, where we need to discipline at least our children today but ourselves is what kind of, how much time and where are we going online these days? There's lots of junk that is there. In terms of, this could relate also to healthy lifestyles as well, but live a disciplined life. And you'll find that when you live that disciplined life, it's a more productive life. It's a stronger and healthier life. Let's look at the next thing here. The church. I already gave away one of my lines for this one when I looked it up this morning early before I came. Um, the people that go to church, um, they are healthier and they live longer. And, but think of what being a part of the body of Christ does for us. 
Just, just a wonderful illustration that you lived here this morning. A member of this church, Diana, the last time I was here, I, I believe it was, is when I, I remember meeting her and we, we prayed for her. And, um, and what a lifeline for her during this time the church family is for her in times of need. It's where we are reminded what the word of God and the laws of God are speaking into our lives. It's where we find help and support in our lives. Back in the years of the French Revolution, I'm not trying to give you a history lesson here, but in some ways, the radical edge of that French Revolution, which was in the early years of the 19th century, early 1800s, France was experimenting with trying to erase the church from French culture and society. There were some reasons for that. The church needed to be reformed, and there were problems there, but we're not going there right now. And the radical group of these reformers, led by a man named um, Maximilien Robespierre, they were the Jacobins. And they were trying to root out, um, as a criminal charge, they rolled the guillotine out and were beheading people of anybody that wasn't buying into the, the revolutionary tenets of the Jacobins. And there was a priest in France, and I don't remember his rank. I think he was a bishop, uh, some ranking priest member. And one of the Jacobins came to him and he said, it's our intention to absolutely destroy the church in France. And that priest was very calm and he said, well, you won't succeed. And the man looked puzzled and he said, they have been trying to do that to the church for 1,800 years and they haven't done it yet. I don't think you're going to succeed. And it was at that time that they had uh, de-churched Notre Dame Cathedral, taken out the icons that were there, and placed in its place the statue of wisdom. This was going to be the temple of wisdom. It was shortly after that that the, temple, that the statue of wisdom was taken out of Notre Dame and the other icons of Christianity were placed back there. But just understand that the church is an important part of the healthy root system of your walk and your relationship with the Lord. The last thing we'll talk about here is patriotism. And I'm speaking to this because it's very much in vogue right now among certain groups of people. Much of this is in some of the secular universities in our country today to try to talk about what a rotten country America is. And you've heard the things. I don't need to rehearse all of these things. I'm telling you, I'm the first to admit that America is far from perfect. So give me an example of the perfect country that has ever lived or existed. The reason why they're not perfect is because we're in them. And we're imperfect. But one of the wonderful things about the country we live in is there is a foundation of Christian values, Christian laws, Christian principles, the guardrails that have been established historically that have have built us into a great country that that, that is a bastion of freedom and in many respects, the envy of the world. And 
we are always trying to self-correct and adjust. And that is ongoing, never stopping. That will continue until the millennium on planet Earth. But be a part and a supporter of the good that this country stands for, the scripture that is here. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And this is a wonderful country and, it is, and, and we are asked to be a part of shaping it and correcting it and standing up for what is right within our country. And so as we draw to a close today, I'm just asking you as we, as we are in the downhill side of the first month of the new year, this is the 21st, uh, just to take a look at your root system. Now there may be other things that the Lord brings to your mind that are neglected, but the health and the well-being and the blessing and the value and the riches of your, richness of your life are not measured just by the temporal or the immediate things that are there. It depends upon us building the families we're a part of and being a constructive part of them and praying for members of that family and for us living a healthy lifestyle. Well, for us to disciplining ourselves and you know the list that I've just gone over. And so I'm going to ask us just to stand. And um, let's just take a moment to just, before the Lord, let's just take a moment to wait in his presence and just ask yourself, Lord, is there some root in my life that is not nourishing who I should be. And, and, and just in your own way, we don't need to be public about this at all, but just identify that area of your life where you've been neglectful and ask the Lord to enrich you in that area. We're just going to take a few seconds and then I will close the service in prayer today. I think I'll close with a question for you right now. Oh, you know what? I brought this up to read it, and then I got under the anointing and forgot. But on this last point of patriotism, there was a couple of quotes here. One of them from the inaugural address of George Washington. The propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal values of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. That was from his inaugural address in 1789. And then in his farewell address, he said this, Reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of the religious principle. And then John Adams, 
who was the second president and one of our founding fathers, he said this, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Morality and virtue are the foundation of our republic and necessary for a society to be free. And it says, people in our own country are trying to pull away from those moorings that we see so much happening. Father, we thank you for this time today. We thank you for this Lord's Day. And we pray for your blessing upon us as we um, leave this sanctuary, as many of us join in for a time of fellowship. But Lord, I just pray for the uh, root systems that are standing right here in this sanctuary right now. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak into each heart and each life and remind us or point out to us those areas where we need to give attention to those roots that feed the flowering of our life. I pray that your Spirit would help us as we move towards the fulfillment of those goals. Bless us and keep us. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.